This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Motor Auctions. Has your car shit itself? Then you've got to go with Alliance. It's the easiest way to buy a quality car at a very competitive price. Located in Moorbank, New South Wales. Call 02-9822-7200 or visit www.allianceauctions.com.au South Coast Window Furnishings. Have your window furnishings shit themselves? Then you've got to get in touch with SCWF. They service the south coast of New South Wales from Wollongong to Bermagui. Give Jamie a call for a free quote on 0408 812 007 or like them on Facebook at South Coast Window Furnishings. Elite Sports Physiotherapy. Has your back or another part of your body shit itself? Then look no further than ESP. Established in 2006, Elite Sports Physiotherapy provides physiotherapy and massage services to the people of Melbourne. Located on the mezzanine level, 13-15-1 Freshwater Place in Southbank, Melbourne. Give them a call on 03-8640-0328 or visit elitesportsphysio.com.au today. Also, special thanks to verse.com.au for putting the finishing touches on this podcast. Cheers. Hello, mate. Hope you're having a good day. My guest this episode is Australian actor, writer, producer and director Nicolette Minster. Nicolette had me around for a cup of tea. We talked about a few things. We talked about her first movie role, Age 4, what it's like being in the Australian TV and film industry and how she handles working with her husband. This is Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Nicolette Minster, thanks for taking it easy with me today. How are you? I'm very well. I'm in the comfort of my own home. Oh, that's, thanks for having me over. Much appreciated. <laughs> You're welcome. Looking at your fantastic Bill Murray cushion there. It is a Bill Murray cushion. And I'm glad that Bill Murray is an accessible image for most people because mm. we're working in an audio medium. Do you th- so, for listeners at home, I'm look- it's just a cushion on a couch and it's Bill Murray dressed as like a almost like Napoleon mm. era clothes. Do you think he'd get ro- royalties for that? No. That's disappointing, isn't it? I'd um, say that's straight up satire. Mm. That's how it works, yeah? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, right. I'm not across royalties. All right, just from a copyright. I don't think it's been any copyright infringement there. I feel bad if it has been. <laughs> <sighs> I think you should just send him a bit of cash just to say thanks for the cushion, mate. Yeah. Oh, it does pill. That's my only criticism. Mm, it is right. a pilling pillow. Maybe don't contact him then. No. Nah. Actor, director, writer, producer, what came first for yourself? Solids. I moved on to solids <laughs> at a young age. And then I thought, how can I ensure that I remain on solids? Yeah. Uh, you put yourself on solids? Sh- showbiz. Yeah, I bet I bet I did. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't speak at the time, just or could you? Yeah, I think my probably like motor skills kicked in quite quickly in order to grip food. Mm. And then from that point, yeah, I thought Show business. And then age four, mm. you make your TV debut or is it a film debut? I think it was a film debut, if effectively was the very first appearance, yeah. Was it a film called A Cry in the Dark? It was released in the in the US as A Cry in the Dark, but mm. it, the, local, the local release was Evil Angels. It's pretty impressive that it's gone overseas. Where was it shot? In Australia. Yeah. Yeah. So you're age four at this time. Age four, yeah. And this is all your choice? 
I I reckon I consented to a point, which is how I approach most of my life <laughs> since then. Yeah, it was the um, Azaria Chamberlain story. So it was the dingo stole my baby. And there's nothing quite like making a screen debut <laughs> next to Meryl Streep <laughs> to guarantee that everything will be downhill from that point onwards. So you played Car- you Car- Carlia? Yeah, Carlia Chamberlain. Age four. So that's the older sister. That's the older one, the one she had in jail. Yeah. Yeah. So this is pretty this is a pretty big first role with Meryl. Yeah. Not many I people think... can say their first role no. was with Meryl Streep. Well, I don't think many people can say that their first role was with Meryl Streep and then, then that that was the penultimate. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, it was the kiss of death, wasn't it? <laughs> How do you come back from that? Um Do you remember much from it? Oh, age four? I remember stuff I think because I was people then continued to ask People continue to ask me about it. So, I think I remember it being like a big deal. I remember that at the end of the f- my second – because I think it was like two-day shoot. I think at the end of my second day, um, Fred Shepsky, who was the director, gave Meryl a bunch of roses like every day, mm-hmm. which from a climate point of view is <laughs> not sustainable. Where were you shooting? Oh, it would have been out in some studio in like – Forest Hill or something, oh, okay. I can't remember. And um, she gave me one of the roses and at that point I thought, we've just created the first season of The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't have the sense to patent it at age yeah. four, so I should have done that. Well. Yeah. Uh, you still keep in touch with Meryl today? Mm, mm, mm. Mm. Well, it's She's quite, done all right it's since then, quite one-sided. Yeah, I taught her everything she knows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always that name that she goes to thank at the end of a speech when the orchestra starts to play. Mm. So I know the first three bars. Is, okay. That's me. That's you, yeah. yeah. When her mouth's still moving. Yeah. Getting played off. Getting played off. Carlia. I'm the playoff. Still calls you Carlia, though, which is weird. Yeah, that's okay. Mm. She's Meryl. She can do what she wants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pleased she's still working. Good on her. Yeah. Did your parents have to go with you to the shoot every day? I don't know if they had to, but they certainly did. <laughs> no, I think they probably did. Um, it's much more strict today, though, isn't it, working with kids and you, the kids can only work for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Where back then yep. were you just working 12 hours? My days, knuckles were bleeding. Smoking cigarettes? <laughs> yeah, we'd, I'd be vaping if it was <laughs> If it was today. Yeah, I don't, I don't – I mean, I think, I think it's – People say it's because – so, the rules are that every hour the child has to be um, broken. You have to give them a break <laughs> for 10 minutes. But I think that that's got less to do with them and more of the fact that everybody else needs a break from <laughs> Probably, the kids. Yeah. <laughs> but you, I still work them 10-hour days. Is there any stories of you absolutely cracking it on the set or did you behave yourself the whole time? Oh, I think – I mean, I overall, I don't – I don't really think I knew what I was doing. I think it's just it was just a flesh puppet situation where it was like come in, say these words, try not to look at the camera, mm-hmm. get paid. Do you remember what your lines were? Oh, only I don't remember them because I've remembered them. I remember them because I know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm assuming you want them. Yes, please. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I think it was. Oh, so I I run in. Because mum, she's just come back from jail. You've got to give people context. I run in because she's just come back from jail. And I think she says, I'm in a dress. And she says, that's a lovely dress. And I said, mummy made it in jail. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Was that your first ever line on screen? Yeah. Mummy yeah, made it in jail? Great. Yeah. And um, 
And then and then I, I think she and then Sam Neil goes, This is mummy. And then I say real mummy. He says, Yes, real mummy. Which is interesting because I'm like, how many <laughs> fake mummies came before? Sam, what have you been up to? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that, especially because they were quite uh Michael and Lindy Chamberlain were like heavily Pentecostal kind of mm. churchgoers. Yeah. So I reckon probably a few. Yeah. He's um done. sorry, yeah, just one thing. Sam Neil as well. Yeah. That is crazy. Meryl Streep and, and Sam, Sam Neil, Neil. Yeah. are your parents in your first in your first ever <laughs> movie role. I, it's a wonder I've gone on to live because I peaked so early. It's quite amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that no, was very cool. Very, very cool. And what about royalty? What, what sort of money did you get for that? Do you remember? Or did your parents just keep that? Or did they put in a fund no, for you when you were 18? I think 18 it went into to- a dollar mite account, although I think I'm so old I actually predate dollar mite. But, yeah, it definitely – I think the biggest payoff was for the Commonwealth Bank because I still bank with them <laughs> 30, 32 years later. <laughs> so, for them, it was a big payday as yeah. far as interest and fees are concerned. Um, I don't know. I don't I don't know entirely. Because I, I did a bit of acting as a kid, They, mum and dad did genuinely set up an account for me that the, the money went into. Mm. So, when you – know, by the time I hit grade five and I went to some godly privileged – private girl school so the expectation was that we had laptops in grade five what yeah that's still yeah so that's still in the 90s yeah it was like a two, was there laptops around in the 90s yeah yeah i didn't even know that from where i'm from country my <laughs> country town didn't have laptops at all yeah. in the 90s yeah it, i mean it was it was just a notepad Attached to a calculator, it was just a real elaborate setup, really. Mm. But it was an expensive one. They were they even the ones I don't know if you remember them, but they were the ones that only half the screen opened. Definitely don't remember. Nah, that. Mm. they kind of just looked like super calculators. Okay, so you just spell boobs on them heaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that that's what I think that's what it went off went to pay. I think from memory. Okay, I don't know. I'll chase them up on that. Yeah, and for any <laughs> listeners. Go check it out. I'm sure you can still find it. It might even be on YouTube. I so it's called the, A Cry in the Dark in the States. And what was it called? Evil here? Angels. Evil Angels. It's definitely on Gem every other week. That's great. Yeah. I've got to go and check it out. The uh, good part is you can just fast forward to the end. To look for you. Yeah. Yeah. So keep I mean, the story for- is very interesting if you don't know the, the story. And I Mummy made it in jail. Was that the, in jail. So that's what you've got to look out for, everyone. The best thing that came out of it was that I'm on the Khan website because it went and played at Khan. <laughs> and what. And on the Khan, because I appeared on the first title card of credits because I was part of the family. Mm. So even though I only had three lines and there were much bigger actors who did more important things, because my name appears on that first title card, the Khan website just must have picked the first eight names and mm-hmm. then decided that they were the key cast. <laughs> take that. You've got to take it. Once it's on the internet, yeah, it stays on the internet. Here's a question for you. Mm. You're in a bar. You're in a fancy bar somewhere, maybe mm. New York City, okay. LA. Possible, plausible. Yeah. Uh, Meryl walks in. I'd definitely say something. Would you? Yeah, is that Absolutely. where we're going? Yeah. I thought you were like, oh, do you glass her? Oh, yeah. yeah? I def- but I just, you, you just want to get in and get me, out. Or would you just say, hey, nah, I wouldn't good do to that. see you, Meryl. I'd probably deliver the light. No. <laughs> I go, sorry, um, I'm just this is so embarrassing. Are you my real mother? Or <laughs> and did you make are you one question? of those fakes? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just go up. You're going to say, look, hey, great I'd, to see you. Probably, we actually did that. I'd probably together. interrupt. Like, I, like, I assume she wouldn't be there by herself. Mm. 
So whoever she was with, I'd prob I'd introduce Sam myself Neil? to them first. Well, I mean, what do Mom, I do then? Dad? I feel like Sam Neil would be a bit more open to that because he's been have you been pay- done? Have you been paying attention? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's the great level up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Definitely say something. And okay. then I'd get out of there quick smart. Right. Like I wouldn't yeah. even ask for a photo. Because mm. to be fair, she's probably aged better than me and no one needs to see that. <laughs> then from 1988 to 1992. Yeah, nothing. Neighbours. Just like the Bible. Oh, right. <laughs> yep, yep. Neighbours. You go from Meryl and Sam Neill in your first movie <laughs> mm. to straight into Australia's most famous soap opera, well, Neighbours. I think there were some other ones in there. Some random kids' TV shows. Oh, between yeah, ages of four all, and four and a half. You, oh, no. No, you're right. I did go straight to Neighbours. <laughs> Busy. Yeah. Mum and Dad are obviously. It's making good use of that free <laughs> catering. <laughs> Who did you play on Neighbours? I played the first Amy Williams. So, if you know Paul Robinson, mm-hmm. it was his daughter that he'd had with – I mean, he's had so many wives mm. – um, that he'd had with a relationship that predated Gail, if you remember Paul and Gail. <laughs> now, Amy Williams actually came back in and the is last still little in wa- the yeah. core cast. Did you, get, did you go for that role? No. No, I didn't no. get asked to come in and read for it. But I then made a fool of myself when we were training at the same gym. Oh. And on the rowers, I went, oh, this is weird, Zoe, because it's an actress, Zoe. Yeah. I'm like, oh. I, I'm you're me, and anyway, that was a hard forty-five seconds. <laughs> Why? So I know that if I've got the guts to walk up to New Zealand's Zoe Cremond, I've probably got the guts to walk up to Meryl Street. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you brag about being on TV at school? Like, was that pretty cool going back to your early primary school days? Well, I went. This is how hard it would be to brag at my school. The school that I went to. We had Kate Blanchett was alumni. Oh. Now, she wasn't yet Kate Blanchett when she just started to become Kate Blanchett. I mean, she was Kate Blanchett from birth, but she wasn't Australia's <laughs> Kate Blanchett. Okay, Ow. We Ow, also Kate had, um, when I was in primary school at my school, there was a girl in the high school who was Ocean Girl. Oh, yeah. 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 And then another girl in my year level then went on to be a recurring character on Neighbours. So it was pretty tough. To brag about having done two episodes when mm. realistically there were much cooler people. Okay. We did also have Libby Gore, so Elle McFeast. These yeah. are really nostalgic references, but. What school was this? MLC. Which stands for? Methodist Ladies College <laughs> or Mole's Last <laughs> Chance. <laughs> Men's Last Chance, I think, as well. But I think Mole's is a bit more. In the current climate, you know, we're woke. <laughs> Did you ever get to audition for a great shows such as Around the Twist or Ship to Shore? No, no. No? I never went in for those. I remember there was like Black Beauty, I think it was one. Oh. I did a couple of episodes of Lift Off. Yeah. Puggles last summer. I can't remember what else. Yeah, there were plenty of gigs I didn't get. Mm. I wasn't great. Did you know about Round the Twist though? That that would because we're in. You would have been yeah, in Melbourne and it shot the right down age. it. Yeah, no, I definitely was overlooked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even remember going in for it. No. So I don't know. I'll talk to my agent about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think she's in the business anymore, but I'll find her. Mum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> 
And did you stop for a while after that? Was there a point where through Look, high school did you stop? Uh, he wasn't kind to me. Okay. But um, so – and I wasn't particularly great because once, once I got to the age where I sort of knew that I was going to be looked at and I didn't – I got quite self-conscious. Okay. What and, age um, is this? Oh, it was a, probably that big chunk of where I didn't work. Early teens? Yeah, it would have been early teens to kind of even to – I mean, I think there was a big gap really bef- until sort of my early 20s or maybe even mm. later than that where um, I just wasn't particularly go- good. Like I just kind of was far too concerned about being looked at and mm-hmm. that kind of to realise that I might have potentially had any skill in it. And also I didn't I, – I kind of wanted to explore other things. I wanted to make sure that I knew that I was – Definitely, like that acting was the thing I was the least shit at mm. before fully committed right, to yeah. doing it. You, like now talking to you knowing you, you seem very level-headed and laid back, uh, good sense of humour. Mm. Do you think if you kept acting through that whole time? I'd be witless. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Because you see a lot of child actors. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't end well, well for them. No. Although I was just looking at Hayley Joel Osment the other day. Mm. Is, it, is that I got his name right? Yeah. yeah. And – um. In something is in the boys, and I was like, I know everyone made a joke of you because you kind of blew out and you're a weird looking dude, but God, he can still act. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I he, guess he so. kind of had a bit of a a gap though too, though, yeah. didn't he? I think. I mean, Jesus did. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. Born, maybe went to carpentry school, mm-hmm. and then had a thought came about. Out with Wasn't some sure stories. about his the way he looked and yeah. he was rebranded. It was mm-hmm. like I'm going to lead you. Back he comes. Yep. So you kind of lost, lose interest. Yeah. Go through your late teens mm. before your early twenties. Did you study post school and think about doing a totally different career? I wish I had. Like I, I've got two drama degrees. I've got one here and I've got one in the UK. Um, and I think the first one, <laughs> I probably could have explored something else. But having seen my life kind of come full circle to what I'm doing, the fact that I'm still doing it today. I suppose I don't feel so bad about that now. <laughs> but no, I went off to um, drama school in Ballarat and I was accepted straight out of high school and the kind of norm is, I mean, I'd, I auditioned for all the big ones and then, and normally with all the big ones, and I mean like the local ones, your Uniteds, your Whoppers, your um, VCA, they often don't take you straight out of school mm-hmm. for good reason. Yeah. Because you've Really been institutionalised for a so, while. So NIDA is, what's that stand for? In the National Institute of Dramatic Art. And WAPA's W Western Australian Performing Arts. Yeah. And what was the other one? BCA, Victorian College of the Arts. Right. So there, I mean, there's also QUT. There's one in Adelaide. I went, there was one, I went to Ballarat. So I went to the same drama school as Kate McLennan. Okay. So when you get And the to- Auntie Donna Boys all went through there as well. Okay. And what's yeah. it called? Uh, it was, had three different names. Mm-hmm. It was the Ballarat Academy of Performing Arts and then it became University Ballarat Arts Academy. It became AA. That was short-lived. <laughs> then it was Fed Uni, so it's now Federation Uni. Okay. And then it's just a degree in Yeah, and So you obviously have to live up – did you live on campus? Yeah, I lived yeah. in Ballarat in a haunted house. Cool. Did yeah. you get a job up there like at uh, Boost yeah, Juice or something? Yeah, I worked at a fairy shop. A? Fairy shop. How's that work? Just Selling fairies by the dozen? Nah, doing parties and wearing a leotard. Ah, right. Yeah. So, um, tolerating and wings. children. Lots of cheesels. 
yeah. all sort of came home with chisel <laughs> dust. <all laughs> <of me. laughs> what else did I? I can't think if I had any other job. Nah, I was like, yeah, it was just that one. Mm. I was getting some pretty sweet new start at the time, I think. Oh, it felt cool. like a lot because I think it was something like 200 bucks a fortnight, which felt like heaps because my rent was 60 bucks a week. Yeah. <laughs> back when it was great. Oh, it was so great. When, when you're at drama school, mm. did you did you figure out like, did you think, oh, yeah, I knew nothing before what, what you did with acting as a child and, and then did you think, oh, this is, I have to learn a lot here or did you pick it up straight away? Um. Look, it de- it really depended at Ballarat. the The course was quite theory driven, so you were learning a lot about just the history of performing uh, and the ritual of it, and the practical. I mean, you also did the practicality of it, because unlike most uni courses, you know, people go, "How many contact hours do you have?" And with an arts degree, where it's, when it's as practical as performing, it's like, "Oh no, every day." Mm, yeah, <laughs> I'm there all day, every day. So for Ballarat, it was a lot of just the kind of core history and fundamentals and theory of performing, mm. whereas my degree in the UK was a lot more kind of uh, practical as far as actually just having all of the skills you needed to have physically mm. in order to get through a theatre show for seven weeks or yeah. however long. Did you have many uh, well-known Australian actors come up and speak to you or...? Colin Friels or like the yeah, Water Peter Rats Phelps. stars? No. no, I don't recall that. Very sweet. No. No. I think Libby Tanner went to um, Ballarat, but so she was from, she was in All Saints yeah. and then in Wentworth. Yeah. But no, I never saw her. <laughs> <laughs> did you do any? Did you watch many films in the theory? Oh, sometimes they just shove on a video. Yeah. yeah. Was it ever Evil Angel? No. No. Never. You never got the chance to point out. Nah. Never got. Did you drop that amongst people around uni that you'd done a bit of child acting? A uh, bit of chacting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Up, look, no, prob- I probably got a couple of sub-zeros. That was my drink of choice at <laughs> uni. Maybe after a couple of grapefruit sub-zeros, I might have dropped it into the conversation. Yeah. Didn't ever serve to me as well as I hoped it would. No. After doing your course mm. and drama, do you think anybody can be an actor? Do you think anybody could go and have a four-year stint at a drama school and come out reasonably talented? I don't think you need to be overtly talented to be an actor. Mm. I don't think you need to be trained. I think you have to be ready to wait. <laughs> right. Because it's um. Does that do they teach you that though that it's that it's hard and auditions? No, are- look, they do, but. They they do to a degree, but the climate was is ever changing and evolving as far as who we see on screen and how differently we're represented. And unfortunately, I believe quite strongly that you all most actors are already in a position of privilege in order to pursue it full time. Mm, mm. And I think that anybody who and I think that that that's a lot of people who work in the arts. It's um you have to be prepared to be working 10% of the time. Mm. So the question is, Is I actually went back to Ballarat a few years ago just to talk about having been perceived as being successful mm. <laughs> and just to talk about the importance of mental health in between the gigs and and how you can have something else. And I think it's – and I've heard even screenwriters talk about it, the importance of 
having a hobby that mm. is not – I mean, I think everybody should have that. I don't think yeah. everybody should be married to their job. But um, so I actually think that it, being a good actor actually – becomes more about the constitution of the person mm. because there are, I wouldn't necessarily deem myself to be a particularly good actor because you know you're defined by what you do every day so if you don't if I don't get up and I mean now I screenwrite a lot that's really fundamentally what I do the most and if I don't get up and do that every day then it's quite difficult to consider myself a screenwriter the same mm. would be as a comedian yeah. you'd find yourself in a position where you're writing jokes yeah. Every day. Right, yeah. Not pages of them, but... Mm, something. Yeah, surely. Am I right? Yeah. You're always putting some sort of note in your phone. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I think that if if you can find yourself in a position where what you call yourself is something you do every day, mm. not necessarily in front of people, then you can do it. But, I mean, there are people out there that have a natural gift and certainly don't need training, but I also think... The physical, what come, what comes out of uh, drama school training, I think that benefits people the most is the ability to work in a group, mm-hmm. the ability to listen, yeah, the ability not to be a shit cunt. Um, but then, but then you hear about you hear about Hollywood stars yeah, being you do. Ho- some some of them being absolutely horrible to work with. Oh, and the same thing happens with crew. I've worked with crew who aren't particularly great, and I think unfortunately a lot of that is uh, the bullied become the bulliers, right. But but are that but are those actors that are horrible? Are they just getting through because they've got crazy talent? Well, they'll have um, or just a look or a good agent. It's not a, it, well, it's it's actually just that they have notoriety mm. and they have currency within the industry. Yeah. So, I think what's exciting about the fact that we have so much choice from content now is that projects aren't the success of a project isn't determined by its cast. Because we're seeing projects where the cast aren't necessarily household names, mm. but the stories are so good and they become household names off oh, the back that, of yeah. the stories being successful. Well, Mindhunter is a classic example of that at the moment, isn't it? On Netflix, totally. it's I've not seen any of those actors before, but geez, it's yeah. Well, Anna Torf's fan- Australian. Yeah, there's a lot of because there's so much content in the states that we don't get. There's mm. all those great B grade shows that come out of Canada. Mm. And there are a lot of Australians working over there in content that just doesn't land here, but then they're in a position to come back because they then have international appeal, I suppose. But, yeah, I think it's also just exposure to, you know, so many great SBS Nordic series and Mm. that that we're enjoying not just because the cast is so great, but the the story has become king. Yeah. So, but, yeah, unfortunately, I mean, in in any industry, I don't think any industry is exempt from assholes. You're listening to Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Hey, before we go back to the podcast, I want to tell you about someone. That someone is Melbourne-based photographer Nicole Reed. One of the most sought-after photographers going around, Nicole has taken photos for all sorts of people. Comedians like Peter Hellier and Anne Edmonds, musical acts like the Hilltop Hoods, and sports stars like Buddy Franklin. If you want to see how great her work is, I suggest you head over to her Instagram page. It's Nicole Reed Photographer. While you're at it, you may as well jump on her website, which is www.nicolereed.photography. Get in contact and book in a shoot today. Now let's get back to the podcast. So in the last few years, you've definitely 
right back into the acting side of things. Mm-hmm. You've been on things such as Playing for Keeps, Kinney, Get Kraken, Dr. Blake's Mysteries. You also mentioned you're doing screenwriting, mm-hmm. producing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in between those different roles, you're saying you need to, you know, you need to be working doing something because you know some jobs are few and far between. Do you, are you doing the screenwriting and the producing out of necessity, or do you actually enjoy it? I really, really, really enjoy it. Um, producing, not so much. Mm-hmm. It's a really thankless and difficult task. But the better producer you are, the better writer you become and the better writer you are the better producer you become mm-hmm. they they're so intrinsically linked because so much of storytelling has everything to do with your audience mm-hmm. you know who are you and i imagine you've experienced the same thing when you're putting together stand-up shows who are these jokes for other how are they going to relate why am i telling this story and i i really love it and i think fundamentally it's because storytelling is storytelling is storytelling. And what I mean by that, as long as I'm storytelling and paying my bills, Mm. I'm happy. Yeah. And look, some people can experience a creative outlet through a really popular Twitter account Mm -hmm. and work a day job. Good on them. But I, you know, I guess I make lifestyle and sacrifices in order to to do what I do. And I'm incredibly privileged to be able to do what I do. And not everything is a really f- super fun creative endeavor. There's corporate stuff in there yeah. as well. <laughs> but I do I genuinely genuinely enjoy it. And it all came off the back of starting a bit of stand up when I was living in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then doing a bit more of that and then realizing that you know a good a good joke in many ways is a really short soundbite of a story. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it taught me a lot about relaying a story. Yeah. How long were you in the UK for? Four years. Mm-hmm. And you were studying over there as well? Yeah. I went and did another degree as a mature age student, mm. so I asked a lot of questions. Yeah. Complained about the food a lot. No. Did you get um, a transfer in your fairy shop to a fairy shop in the UK? I, no, I was, but I was working in retail. I, was, I used to get up and – where did I – I used to work in London but was living in Sidcup. And yeah, would would travel there for seven pounds an hour. Mm. I don't know. What how sort of retail? Marks and Spencers, or I f- was working in a um, for an Australian jewellery label. <laughs> I say jewellery; it was gold plated steel, really. <laughs> um, and I was working for Mimco. They, I was on the plane to the UK and was flicking through a magazine when people still bought magazines. Mm. And saw that they were opening in the UK and pretty much as I landed, reached out to them and said, I'm an Australian and I've just arrived in London. Can I have a job? And then I proceeded to stay there for three years. So, I would work every Christmas, um, every single weekend. I would go and do 10-hour shifts. Yeah. It was pretty brutal now when I look back at it because the commute was big. Yeah. And that's just what my life became while mm. I was trying to – because I just had to in order to survive living over there because mm. drama school was amazing and it was like this absolute laboratory environment. It was so immersive. And I because I was so far away from home, you know, all the kids that I went to uni with there who were younger, um, they kind of became my family. Mm-hmm. So I spent Christmases with their family yeah. and, yeah, it was really, really magic time and I was going to stay over there and the only reason I didn't – I came back to Melbourne, did – my first comedy festival with a comedy mate and then got work. Yeah. And went, ah, oh, shit. And I literally just paid for my 
500 bucks or 500 pounds or something foul for a student visa to sorry for a post study visa to keep working in the UK. Mm. But the work here was just too good to say no to. Did you drop neighbours into conversation in the UK much that you'd been on? They neighbors? found that's, it themselves. It's pretty big in the UK. <laughs> yeah. That'd probably hold a bit more weight it's, than here, even. It's funny because I now have written for the show, there's more hype around that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a little bit of – but because I was never a recurring character, like I was on it Mm. three times as three different people Mm. because the pool of actors in Australia is just so small (laughs) and the benefit of a child is you kind of – as you age, you change in look. So, it yeah, they found it themselves. (laughs) Um, themselves. And Mimco, you said you're getting paid seven pounds an hour. Was everyone else getting five pounds and (laughs) your neighbours got you a couple extra pounds an hour? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think they – because they knew they were going to get a particular calibre of – customer in and they mm. knew we'll send her and she'll be great at role play. Yeah. Yeah. Which is true. In a job in like an interview, in those horrible uh open interview scenarios, a smash role play every time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what's going on. I know, on. I know all the keywords. Yeah. And then fake fake interest to customers when you yeah, try I'm to like, sell Are you them. a real customer or are you fake customer? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh we'll talk about the audition process and how you, I've been to auditions. Right, I bet you have. Yep, I can't. I can't even remember if I've got any. I've been to a few, you know. And it, I do look at it. And I, you go in and you sit down. Like probably a lot of people don't even probably realise. You watch an ad on TV. Those faces you're seeing on that ad have been called by an agent. Yep, they've gone down at nine a.m. to some talent agency <laughs> place, sat with forty other people, mm. filled out a form. Your height, your weight, your Chest size, your waist, all that stuff. They got the tape measures there. Most people wouldn't know. I know my measurements, and that's weird. Yeah, and then you you sit there, and then they're like, "Your turn to go in." You go in. There's two people just looking at you in this cold room with one single camera. They're like, "All right, say the line." Sometimes there's a prop. Sometimes there's a prop. Say the line. It's very weird, and then you go home, and you if you don't get it, you never find out. If you do get it, they contact you. So when you don't hear from them, you're like, "Oh, maybe I'm a chance." But then people are, like, "Oh no!" If you don't yeah. hear anything, that's a I'm bad adept thing. at being ghosted. Right. This process is like I've done that a, a few times, but an actor's doing it. How many times a week are you doing auditions? Oh, not that often. No. Um, are you but, at a point now where you just say, "Pick and choose what you're going to based on the fee"? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For ads, yes, because I guess what what people mightn't realise is that. Um, you know, when you align with a brand, they want to have a – they want to associate just your head with that brand. Oh, of course. Yeah, and you can't – So, yeah, sometimes the fees are compensatory for that reason. Mm. Um, so, even though it seems like a big water cash, but then that kind of wipes you out for six mm. months maybe. Yeah. I think – yeah, so there's some – and also, like, there are some things that I don't necessarily believe in. Mm. <laughs> and because I have a – because I have a presence not just as that girl from that thing, but that, you know, people do know my name. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel a responsibility to kind of only align with brands that I think are doing the right thing right. from a global point of view. Mm. <laughs> um, so there are things that I don't – like I, I, not that I ever think I would wind up in a KFC commercial, but mm. I kind of don't. I think it'd be much nicer if people were just at home feeding themselves. So, <laughs> for me, that's something that I wouldn't say mm. yes to. 50 grand? Um, 
One it's ad. It's a lot of fries, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I still think I'd have to say no. Okay. Um, because I'm in a position where I'm fortunate in that I'm still being able to do creative things that are paying mm. my bills. Yeah. So if I think if it was just that, if I was kind of working at a call centre, which I've done, but well, you know, working on a call centre in order to keep my acting career alive, mm. I might find myself selling out for 50k. But yeah, I think in the short term, I'm quite happy to say no to things occasionally. Mm. I'm hardly n- knocking down the door, but um, yeah, I think that's important. I think it's important because it can really come back to bite you. I don't know what's going to happen in the next five True. years. Yeah. I mentioned the audition process about the people you see on the telly. Mm. They're going through a lot of, before they even get that role. Have you ever seen Fiery Hawk? No. Look it up on YouTube. What if you've never done it, if you, nobody knows anything about the ad auditioning process, there's a really great sketch called Fiery Hawk and mm. it pretty much explains exactly what happens. Right. But, um, Another thing is, you mm. don't find out about your audition until the day before. Generally, they'll just you'll just true. find out the day before and go. You have an audition. Yeah, I've called this in time sick a tomorrow. lot of times to mm. previous jobs. Yeah. Do you have any tips for people when they're in the audition? Like when they're when oh, they're yeah, cause when you go in, I find it very daunting. The few times I go in, as I say, you're just sitting in the, you're in a room with two people, and they say, "All right, say the lines." Or they'll feed you a line. You've got to do it back, and they'll ask you to do it different ways to a camera. Yeah. Any tips for me mainly? Yeah. <laughs> so what, I, what I've what i also done in the past, I did a lot last year, is I'm the reader. So if you go in for uh, auditions for a drama or a comedy, so not just an ad, and there's someone else there reading the lines, I'll often go in and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my God, you learn a lot about people. <laughs> people do some weird stuff. I guess my, my number one tip would be, be prepared. And what I mean by that is if there's dialogue, know it. Mm. And if you're the kind of person that takes 12 hours for the dialogue to sink in, because you may only get the script the day before, um, then spend every one of those 12 hours. Because as much as it's your time when you get in that room, mm. you've only got 15 minutes if you're lucky. Yeah. And they don't have time to see you not being unprepared. Because unfortunately the audition – is one of two things. It's an audition for your next audition. So even if you're not right for this role, the casting director will see that there's some merit in calling you back for something else. Mm. But also with ads and with a lot of drama and comedy, if they're just small roles, which with respect they probably will be, um, what you do on the day in that room is what they will – and if they like that, then they aren't going to ask you to change it for the day, for the shoot mm, day. That's it. So I think the trick is with anything that's screen related is just to be as comfortable as possible. <laughs> um, I think that's where I've fallen down. And just don't talk too much. Well, I know, definitely didn't do that. Just, yeah, I think, you know, you acknowledge everybody in the room. Mm. Sometimes there's a lot of people in the room. You just make sure you acknowledge them. Mm. And I, th- I think the important thing is, you're there because they want to see you, not necessarily how you interpret the brief. And I think sometimes you'll go in for something where you think, oh, I don't suit the brief, mm. but it happens to me all the time. But actually, if I can bring the brief towards me and just find a way to interpret the dialogue, you know, obviously I'll lean on humour the same way that you would. Mm. I know it's a skill that I have and I know that's why I've been asked in. And if I haven't been asked in to be funny, I should pretty much shit myself. Right. And they're the ones that I'm often dreadful at. Not that I can't not 
not be funny, but that's kind of what I do best. Mm. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, what are we? You're just being polite now. <laughs> You've thought we need to get her out of the house. <laughs> You've been on a lot of movie sets, yeah, TV sets, yep. uh, ad, TV Heaps ad sets. Ads, yep. I had a little taste this year on a set for the first time ever on Kinney Tonight. Was that your first time on set? Yeah. Yeah, first really? time doing any sort of set stuff. And to give people an idea. You were very professional. Thank you. I didn't have you much did to do. You did talk a bit too now. <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to be at risk of that. <laughs> uh, so I had a small taste on Kinney Tonight. Give people an idea. You might have, you'll get your, your lines a couple of days, one or one day before, two days before. Not many lines I had to learn. I only had to learn a few. Uh, but you basically go in at about 8 a.m., Seven, then, seven or eight a.m. and you can be there till six p.m. Mm-hmm. Some days uh, you only do two things, so you might only be needed for forty minutes out of a eight-hour yeah. day, and you just can just sit there on your laptop. Uh, it's catered, so they put on lunches. What was your favorite lunch? Um, I think we had the f- the burgers and chips there one day. Oh, that, that was, was that was like the last day. Yeah, it was good. That was a good day. And oh, was that the fish and chip day? It was, it was burgers, fish and chips, yeah, I think. Right. It was everything. As I you can burger. see, it's a really well-balanced diet. <laughs> but there's all there's fruit, there's tea, there's bickies, <laughs> snakes alive, everything's going all the time. People are like checking on you to see if you're all right. <laughs> um, it's, you just wait it on hand and foot. You get taken to a makeup thing. You get made up. Everybody's lovely. I can totally see why actors get big heads out of this. Yeah, I think I... I had a lot of um, – so the uni that I went to in Ballarat, a lot of kids went – there was a musical theatre stream as well and a lot of the kids went off and worked on cruise ships and they you experienced a similar kind of like molly coddling kind of people fawning over you mm-hmm. to the point where they'd forgotten how to buy toilet paper. Like it was that – there was f- always food there. Yeah, so I can see I can see how people get fussy about some really inane stuff. But also it's really – and it's an environment where you're very close to everyone because mm. you see them more than your family because mm. sometimes you're there before the sun gets up and then by the time you leave, it's dark. So it's it can be really intense sort of bursts of contact with people under – I mean, and, and the set for Kinney was pretty – I don't want to say laid back, but, you know, I've been on sets where you're really under the pump as far as the clock is ticking down because you cannot do overtime because if you do overtime, it will blow the budget. And mm. so I've definitely been on sets where it's been a bit more stressful. But, yeah, you can see how it's the perfect environment to create monsters. Yeah. Oh, I was like, gee, oh, if I was on the, doing this all the time, geez, I don't know how I'd end up. Yeah. I'd like to think I'd be the same, but it's tough when someone's bringing you a cup of tea or – I think it's easy to forget why you're there. Mm. Um. Oh, especially when day, you one day all I had to say was oh baby that was my oh, one line in nine hours lounge. oh baby that's it nine hours yep. I totally forgot my line because I was f- having burgers and chips wasting and stuff. everybody's time yeah oh that's right I put my burger order in and then I just, and then I left before lunch <laughs> um, you can get there and then get on set and think and be and be unprepared it's really easy to go I don't actually I don't know what's happening next and then you've only got one take. Mm. And then you think, well, that was – I brought nothing to that. Yeah. Another thing I noticed, cut around it. if you're listening and you want to be an actor and you're listening to Nicolette's tips on auditions and <laughs> God, uh, how to not be a jerk and stuff, 
Maybe don't be too tall because I'm six five. <laughs> There's a reason why actors are so short. I am six. So we can fit in your TV. Just a tick under six five, and every single scene I was in, I would be standing, and they'd cut, and the director would say, "Let's get you sitting down." Can we get a seat for Dan, please? Can we have Dan sitting down, please? Every time. So if you watch it, I'm sitting or bending at the knees <laughs> in pain. <laughs> in pain. In every scene Come I'm in. Come prepared to sit or train your quads up. Yeah. Well, how, I don't understand. How did they, How did Shaquille O'Neal do and, and Space Jam with well, Michael didn't Jordan? Didn't animate how did, stuff around him? Must have. Yeah. He's not sitting down. I don't think Bogs, Bogs. I don't think Bugs is there in the flesh. Yeah. I don't even know if Shaquille's in Space Jam. I can't remember. I Michael Jordan know. definitely is. I was trying to sound cool. What about the biggest jerk you've ever met on set? <laughs> <laughs> you met many... I don't... Actors, any Australian Look, actors you want to just say? This is the worst part about absolute. this is that I'm like, if I can't think of one, it must be me. Right. I've definitely been a jerk on set. Really? Yeah. Carried on a bit? Just tired. Just got oh, to the point in where I've been. Yeah, 88. Evil Angel. Probably cried. Yeah, just Needed like, you know. Yeah, just I, I definitely think there's probably been days where I've not, not been the best. Mm. But no, I, I'm, shooting, <laughs> I'm shooting a kid series at the moment. That I was fortunate enough to write on, and then the actress that played the role in the first series didn't want to come back or isn't coming back. I don't know. I don't know what the story is. Let's say she didn't got done for arson. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but I have to be aged for it. Oh, so I spend more time in the makeup chair <laughs> than I do on set. And I'd forgotten the other day that the show. The show is about dogs, like it's about a dog and its owner. And I'd forgotten that I would have a dog as well. <laughs> and I, it, and then all of a sudden you kind of get onto set and you think, there's two animals here <laughs> working as hard as I am. <laughs> like it was just a real, it was a really great level up where I just went, oh, there's dogs in this and they're going to be more important than me. <laughs> and I was down for it. But when you spend an hour in makeup, like I'm in makeup wig. It's like, yeah, it's full on. How old? Of, how old are they making you? Oh, look, it's they're sort of pitching somewhere around the fifty mark. Mm-hmm. I, I like. I looked pretty weird in that face app thing. <laughs> <laughs> Some faces are easier to age than others, and I just kind of look a bit not well. And with the dogs, but, were the dogs well behaved? Oh, the dogs were so well behaved. Have they got someone off screen just... Yeah, they both caught. got handlers, yeah. Are they doing hand signals or are they yeah. doing... Doing all sorts of stuff. A lot of it is just stay, just don't walk out of frame. Okay. Treats, a lot of treats? Lots of treats. That's good. Yeah. Well, I think a dog actor would get a bit of an ego as well then if that's the case. I imagine so. Constantly getting treats and... It's Get interesting it that well I've got this massive Great Dane, is the, the dog that Montgomery is, the na- not the name of the actual dog. The dog's name is Ryder, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm like, sounds like a kid from Nary Warren. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, we're going to get Ryder into dirt biking. Um, so, and it, it's huge. And the, the featured dog in it, the dog is called Larry in the series, is this tiny kind of scruffy, I don't even know what breed it is, and the dog was so scared that this other big one was going to eat it. Mm, so it's just got its ears folded back. So it was kind of like asking a dog not to look so scared. And I was like, oh, this is grim. Um, but they're very well looked after. Yeah. They're getting plenty of treats. And, yeah, their handlers are there. They know what they're doing. I'm just, you know, you're just trying to act around them. It's a bit like you and I on Kinney. You were the 
Great Dane and I was a, <laughs> quite, in, <laughs> quite intimidating. It's true and I was getting a lot of treats. <laughs> Who, who's your favourite actor of all time? Who's someone you do not miss a film if this actor or actress is in it? I grew up with my favourite film being Tootsie. Okay. Because Dustin. Dustin. Got himself in a bit of strife since, hasn't he? I know, I know. That's the hard thing. Happens with, it's happened yeah. a lot, hasn't it? Famous my actors and your favourites. Loved Kevin Spacey. And, oh, yeah. Spacey. Brutal. Hoffman. Um. But the film was great and I realised that I didn't so much love the film just purely because of Dustin but because of Sidney Pollack because mm-hmm. the screenplay was so incredible. and every. But I've got everybody in that film I love, so Jessica Lange, Terry mm. Garr, like I just – it's a weird to have such an outdated kind of reference. Have you done all this research on the other actors – and who wrote it since Dustin's shoots come out? So you look to no. sort of cover your bases. <laughs> no, no. To be fair, I kind of was across across them all. I mean, also the one and only Bill Murray features in that film as well. Yes. But then I've as but then recently I'm kind of more into your writer directors. Mm. It's their work that I tend to follow over any actor because as an actor, I know I will sell out for most things. Okay. So I don't. There's not one particular actor that I believe necessarily defines a. A project. I'm mm. far more interested in the writers and directors behind them. Now, you also doing your uh, your producing, writing, mm. uh, acting uh, often work with your husband. I do. Nick. Yes. Now, how's that work when you're both? You're saying that sets can get quite stressful, where you're rushing to get things done in time. Budgets are. A certain amount, so you've got to get work done. How does that go in a high-stress environment? Then having your husband there is it a is it a positive or? Well, it's how we met, so I think that okay, that's good. Yeah, because a lot of yeah. people kind of can't believe that we would want to work together, but because it's the environment that we met in, yeah, it, that kind of feels more natural. And we certainly certainly don't work on everything together. You do that on purpose. Well, I think we've just got the freedom sometimes to say. Oh, I'm not as interested in that as you are, yeah. or vice versa. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of important. I mean, sometimes we won't down. have the exact same thing for dinner. Yeah. You know, you pop down to the KFC at I'll Stay Home. Yeah. So, and we don't, because I don't write for myself, and and a lot of people kind of lose their mind when I say that. They're like, "Oh, aren't you writing yourself a project?" And I'm like, "No." Yeah. <laughs> Little Kalia, 30, 30 years totally. on, 32 years Where on. is she now? Where is she now? Um, Still so, got her dress that mummy made in jail. Yes. <laughs> Still the same dress. <laughs> I've let the seams out, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, I, we do it because obviously we love it and I think it's, it's nice to know that there's someone on set that you can kind of trust mm. and we're actually better at working together than we used to be. Okay. So and I, each other's. That's yeah. just experience. Yeah. We the only time we used to kind of argue was over creative um, decisions. So you know the early development of an idea, and I'm now just much better at killing darlings. And um, sometimes, you know, Nick's just better at taking a step back and mm. letting me kind of go for it. But that's just come through experience, really. And it's it is the difficult part is kind of switching off. I was going to say, do you bring your work? Like, oh, you come yeah. home for dinner and you're still talking about. Yeah. The shoot day and yeah. yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes we just have to go, all right, for the next six hours, let's find something else to talk about. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and I think that's just something we'll kind of have to manage, you know, moving forward. But I cannot imagine what it would be like being married to someone who I didn't work with mm-hmm. because there's you're never having to explain what you do or justify the time that you need on something or justify why your anxiety is at a particular level. And I think that that is just such a godsend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But obviously the difficult part is, is we both work creatively. So, it, you know, being us both being able to pursue that. Mm. And sometimes we, you know, have to take a step back. But because we don't have any kids at this stage, it's mm. like the pressure's not as great as it probably right. could be. But yeah. we may be renting for the rest of our lives. <laughs> for that That's not so bad. And what are you uh, what, what are you working on at the moment? What have you got in the pipeline for people to keep an eye out for? Ooh, so as talent, I'm working on a kid series called Larry the Wonder Pup. So if you've got any kids, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, if you've got any kids aged between, well, I'd say four and eleven, Larry the Wonder Larry Pup. the Wonder Pup. What's he get up to? Oh, mischief mainly. Is it a bit like Wishbone? What's the story Wishbone back in the day? I don't remember what's the story Wishbone, but I suspect what? it could be. <laughs> what's the story Wishbone? Don't remember the song and everything. No, Wishbone was a little uh, Jack Russell. Ah, oh. and he he was kind of like um, um, a a crime solver. What's the story Wishbone? Right, he kind of had his owner, and they would uh, he'd sniff things out and kind of like a Skippy, but. Skippy right. the bush kangaroo, not, but not so much. He definitely goes on adventures, mm-hmm. and I'm playing a neighbour character who a neighbour's character. Or no, just a neighbour character, a character that lives next door. In the tru- truest sense of the meaning, um, do you think you got the role from you? Without doubt, yeah. It's, it's kind of so. I'm doing that, and then we've also got a series that I or a one-off that I wrote for. ABC, some some more kids' content. Now, this one's for some older kids. If you've got eight to twelve year olds, it's playing as part of the International Day of Disability on December the third, uh, and that is called The Legend of Burnout Barry. Burnout Barry. So, Barry. Yeah, I've got Larry and Barry. It's yeah. very <laughs> confusing. And then um, a couple of other projects that we're hoping to uh, get some development funding. Yeah. And then on the side, I do a bit of. Um, I'm in the middle of doing a pass on a horror film, which I never thought I would do. I never thought I'd be into that genre, but turns out I've got opinions. So that's the kind of go-to at the moment. That's my Can you can explain what a pass is to... Yeah, so uh, this particular horror film is still in development. So what that means is they're still working on the script and, mm-hmm. um, and a script can be in development for, God, as long as two to three to four years really mm. as it's building up to get finance, which is a difficult thing to keep something relevant for that long, especially yeah. in the the times as they are moving so quickly. Mm. Um, so the script exists, it stands, uh, written by somebody else and I am coming in to do a youth pass. So the screenwriter and the team are, happen to be a little bit older and the mm. protagonist is quite young. So we're just – kind of working together for me to sort of throw my voice in there, okay. so to speak. Yeah. Uh, it's co- it's a really complicated scenario because the mechanics of the script will always be there, but you're effectively rewriting almost entire portions of the film. Mm. So it's good fun. I've done a few of them, but it's, um yeah, it's, it's an, and in many ways I think I'm better at it because of comedy because mm. I know 
well, people might not know this, but, you know, comedians will, especially when they're trying out new material and other comics are standing at the back of the room listening very diligently and laughing when appropriate, mm. but will often have ideas to share yeah. at the end, which sometimes are entirely unsolicited, but often are actually really helpful. Sometimes. So, it's sort of, <laughs> <laughs> not when you've been doing it, for, I've been doing that for three years, as you are. But, yeah, in the early days, it really helps just to have kind of a secondary eye mm. across it. So, it's... But still, it's yeah. You've got to really be kind of sensitive about it. But I think I've, with this one, I'm just a bit balls to the wall. I'm just going to go for it. Horror films, yeah, yeah. The the horror scenarios in this are written so well. It's there. I wouldn't, couldn't possibly touch them. They are so great. Mm. Massive page turners. Would it be a similar tension build up to an evil angel? Type experience film? Mm. yeah yeah i mean there's no blood hungry dingo <laughs> yet yeah yeah well keep an eye out for that listeners yeah all those projects if you've got kids get them around uh barry and larry and the murder mystery, <laughs> mystery. <laughs> <laughs> well nicolette thank you so much for taking it oh, thank today. You. thanks for the cup of tea you're so welcome and i hope your reunion with meryl and Sam happens one day. We'll have to do one of those follow-ups, won't we? I will definitely. If it happens, you need to tell me and then we'll come back. And people also, after this episode finishes, go and have a look at Evil Angel, the film. Do you know what minute of the film you sort of come in? Oh, it's, I don't know. No, no. Watch the whole thing. You should really watch the whole thing. I don't know that it's going to... My appearance isn't going to land as much if you, yeah. if you don't know what's happened for the first 85 minutes. And Meryl's doing an Australian actress to send in that? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's worth checking out on its own. It's pretty good. Mm. Yep. All right. Well, thanks very much. My absolute pleasure. Thank Take you for easy. having me. No worries. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow Nicolette, she's on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, Nicolette Minster, uh, that's N-I-C-O-L-E-T-T-E, Minster, M-I-N-S-T-E-R, Nicolette Minster. She's also got a website, www.nicoletteminster.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends, send them along to Spotify, it's on there, also on uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts. If you listen on there, give it a little like, rating, comment, that'd be much appreciated. Also, you can listen on my website, danielconnell.com.au. While you're on my website, join us mailing list i've got a mailing list there you can join see what i'm up to send you some good deals also check out my gigs page for all upcoming live stand-up comedy shows on that website also if you're in a liking mood you can jump on facebook instagram and twitter i'm on all three of those facebook and instagram it's daniel connell comedy and twitter is daniel connell three that is it thanks very much for listening and take it easy